Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Online learning, shuttered playgrounds, no grandparents, no playdates. It has been a tough year of pandemic parenting. And for essential worker parents, there has been the added worry of bringing the virus home. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. More people are being vaccinated. More schools are opening. Coming up, we get advice from experts with tips for coping after a year of no school. And we want to hear from you. What have been the highs and the lows of family home life after a year of pandemic stress? That's next on Forum, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. I remember vividly the day I last dropped my son off at school last March. I told him to say his goodbyes and that it could be a while until we were back. <laughs> I had no idea. It has now been a year. And while every family has faced different challenges during this pandemic, those of us with kids at home have been navigating a uniquely difficult moment. Working from home while our kids learn on screens, risking our family's health by going into frontline jobs, asking older kids to step up even as they deal with their own trauma, and for hundreds of thousands of Americans, the losses brought on by COVID-19 itself. Still, there have been bright spots. In my case, they've included watching the relationship between my boys blossom and getting to spend more time with them even amid the stress. This hour, we're going to talk about it all, the highs, the lows, the lessons, the regrets. And we want to hear from you parents out there. What has been the best or worst part or both of parenting this past year? Call us now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also connect on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We also have some experts here to help out for the hour. Uh, joining me now are Michaeline Ducleff. She's author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, What Ancient Cultures Can Teach Us About the Lost Art of Raising Happy, Helpful Little Humans. She's also a science correspondent with NPR. Michaeline, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. We also have Madeline Levine, psychologist uh, and author of Ready or Not, Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Uncertain and Rapidly Changing World. Madeline Levine, we're so happy to have you as well. And finally, oh, good. <laughs> there you are. And Earl Turner is also a licensed clinical psychologist, assistant professor of psychology at Pepperdine University. Earl Turner, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. 
Um, so, Michaeline, I want to start with you. As I said, you wrote this book um, before you went searching before this pandemic had us all locked up together. Um, and you really went searching in non-Western cultures for better parenting strategies. I believe at the time you were researching this book, your little girl was around three years old. Um, and there's a lot packed into it. But I'm curious, like, is there a lesson or two or anything that that you really have carried with you this year that's been helpful as we navigate this really unprecedented moment? Oh, absolutely. Actually, when the lockdown happened, I was just kind of finishing up the book and I realized like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to like double down (laughs) on the things in this book. Like I was doing them before, but you know, to parent, I was actually solo parenting for the first seven weeks. My, um, my husband's uh, father got sick. And so I was just like, in order to do this for, you know, 10, 11 hours a day with this, with this little four-year-old at the time, I was going to have to do the things in the book, like even more. Um, and one of the really big things that I started to really take to heart from the book, um, is this idea of not needing to entertain the child, not, not feeling this need to keep, uh, Rosie, my daughter, Rosie busy at every moment. Um, this, this idea is, is very rare. If you look around the world and throughout human history, parents just didn't feel this need to, to like entertain, uh, stimulate and educate a child at every moment. In fact, they thought that this is, this is a, this is a skill a child needs to learn to take, to, to take care of themselves, really to entertain themselves, um, to figure out what they need to do and what they need to do to learn. And so when I first was in lockdown, you know, I was trying to finish this book and I was like, you know what, Rosie's going to have to start learning this skill because I've got, I've still got to work. And I didn't even have another parent. I lost childcare. We lost friends. You know, it was, it was really tough. And I, I wrote about it a little bit, but the first, um, you know, the first couple of days, first week or so were rough you know, because she wasn't used to me just being like, I've got to work and, you know, you can sit here and you can color, you can do whatever you want. Um, but I've got to work and you need to, you need to leave me alone. And, um, after a week or so, it was incredible. Like she started to really embrace it. Um, and, and, and throughout this, she learned all these new skills. Like she learned how to make her own lunch and how to make her own snacks. And, um, and she has that skill. She has really, she's carried through this whole time and our relationship improved because of it. That's great to hear. Earl Turner, I'm curious. I mean, you work a lot with families of color. Um, I know that the, this pandemic broadly has has hit those communities hardest. Um, you know, I mentioned essential workers at the top. I mean, what, what Michaeline's talking about, um, maybe a necessity in some households, right, where older kids are being asked to step in and essentially do some of the parenting as well. I mean, what, what do you think when you hear these questions? Absolutely. Um, I think, you know, one of the challenges for families of color is that many parents continue to work outside of the home during the pandemic. And so there may be challenges with um, other adults that may be you know, providing childcare or be or supporting the children in those homes. But obviously sometimes older kids also step in to help out with some of the, you know, raising of their younger siblings um, or also doing some of the activities that uh, Michael A mentioned as well in terms of like preparing their own meals so I think that's great and helpful for the family, but it also sometimes can be a little bit um, more stressful for kids yeah. in addition to, you know, managing the task of being on school online. Yeah, absolutely. And and Madeline Levine, I want to bring you and I was listening to a, a talk you gave last August, um, which seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I what? think a, a lot of the conversations we have had um, 
on this air and and other places is about kids and helping them cope. But I mean, parents are dealing with a lot of their own stresses right now. I mean, what, what do you see the most in terms of as this has, you know, really dragged on the the things that parents are needing support with or needing to kind of to think about when when we talk about dealing with coping with this? You know, I think this has been a huge social experiment, right? We've never done this before. So people are always asking kind of for expert opinion and and the experts haven't done this before either. We've never had a challenge like this. And uh, and I was giving a talk, I don't know if it's when you heard or not, and I said that I think for parents, um, the bar is getting through with your family reasonably intact. And somebody in the audience said, you know, Dr. Levine, how come you have such a low bar? And I thought that was really interesting. I think it's an incredibly high bar. I think to get through this period of time without your household basically exploding is um, takes tremendous flexibility, takes tremendous resilience. And resilient, you know, you use the word trauma um, earlier, Marissa. For some people, this has been a trauma. It hasn't been a trauma for everybody. There are kids who actually thrive. There are parents who actually thrive. Um, But for most people, it has been really difficult. And I think in this context, what resilience means for a parent is can you wake up and put one foot in front of the other? Because how you're doing is how your kids will do. And, you know, all the talks are about what you do with children. But I think really some of that attention needs to be shifted to helping parents stay calm, learn how to set a good tone, practice coping, help their kids develop a little bit more robust of a, of a toolbox, um, which was what uh, Michaeline was talking about, having kids learn how to do more stuff. Um, everybody's heard, you know, get sleep, get eat, get eat, get, eat good food, to get exercise, those kinds of things. And that really is what parents need to do. It's a good start. It can be hard, though, right? (laughs) Well, that's why the bar is, you know, just getting through. It's not grades. It's not being a super parent. It's none of those things. It's to get through this period of time. Yeah. We're talking about parenting during the pandemic with Earl Turner, licensed clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychology at Pepperdine University, Michaeline Ducleff, author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, and Madeline Levine, psychologist and author of Ready or Not, Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Uncertain and Rapidly Changing World, which sounds like she wrote that this year, but it was actually before the <laughs> pandemic. I want to bring in a caller who has a question um, for our panel. Akila from Cupertino, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call today. Uh, I had, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a great uh, topic to bring today, and I've been thinking about it as well from our own family standpoint, is, you know, we, we've learned how to work together. I mean, I have two boys, uh, one a middle um, school kid and uh, one uh, just a freshman in high school, and uh, we've learned to deal with each other and um, took things for granted before the pandemic, and now we've learned to uh, slowly live with each other. But the question I have is, what what kind of tips do you have for parents to, you know, <laughs> as kids are navigating their own uh, issues with uh, virtual learning, uh, we've struggled with uh, getting them out and, you know, asking them to get out and do their work, but then they go through a lot of stuff within their own um homeworks and, and they refuse to go out and they're 
don't build their new friends uh, through the virtual learning? And how do we, any tips that you can provide to parents that can help us build a better um, relationship as we go through this pandemic? Uh, because we're still slowly learning, but anything uh, that you can provide in terms of um, tips yeah. for the parents. And, I, and I'm glad to hear that. And I'll yeah. take this uh, answer offline. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the call, Akila. Who wants to jump in on that? Um, I, I will. Um, yeah, Madeline Levine. Okay. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit is structure and expectations because everybody's struggling with those things and and flexibility. So for your two young boys, um, there has to be the expectation that they get up at a certain time, they do their work at a certain time. And there's some flexibility in that, obviously. But but pretty much, I think it was Mark Kelly, the uh, astronaut and um, senator from Arizona, who wrote an article about how critical structure is in uncertain times. So so my suggestion is, is a schedule uh, of some sort and the expectation again, with some flexibility that, that the work your, son, your sons, who are old enough to be managing themselves more or less, but not entirely, the expectation, whether that's a chart or some extra time on a screen or just hanging out by themselves, um, that there is something in it for them when they meet expectations. All right. We are coming up on a break. We want to hear from you. We're talking about parenting during the pandemic with a panel of experts. We want to know what's been the worst and best part of parenting this past year. What will you take with you when this whole thing is over? If it ends, <laughs> what do you want to forget? Call us now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org. I'm Marisa Lagos. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. We are talking about parenting during the pandemic with Earl Turner, licensed clinical psychologist, Michaeline Duclef, author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, and Madeline Levine, psychologist and author of Ready or Not, Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Uncertain and Rapidly Changing World. We're getting a lot of uh, comments. From, um, Jennifer tweets best, the togetherness and family unity stuck in the shared resource that is our house. We are now truly a unit. Worse, missing high school graduation and not finding a way to make that horrid SFUSD online graduation into something memorable for my kids. 
Uh, Brian tweets, missing the connection with parents from school and daycare. Now that playgrounds are open, it's surreal to be there and have almost no interaction with other parents. I weirdly miss the boring chit-chat of how old, what school, why is Paw Patrol so fascist, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Earl Turner, I mean, that's a real thing, right? One of the things that gets us through hard times is usually community, and parents are really missing that. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've been talking a lot about over the last year is how can you be creative to maintain that connection for for kids and families? Because we know that those relationships are really important to us from just uh, in a personal perspective, but also for our emotional health. And so I think trying to utilize technology as much as possible. You know, the Zooms, the Facebooks, the We're FaceTime, so sick of it, though. Sort of, <laughs> <laughs> all of those ways that you can try to sort of stay connected as much as possible, given the circumstances that you sort of have at hand. Yeah. All right, Jesse in Oakland, I want to bring you in. Jesse, you're on the air. Hi. Um, I thank you for taking my call, first yeah. of all. Um I had a kid in March and my second, and this entire experience has been like a deeply dark comedy, like really, really dark. (laughs) And so I I actually appreciate um, the comment about getting through with your family intact, that that should be like the only, or I guess the most important thing, Mm -hmm. because at some point, especially during the smoke week, because the smoke week, like everything shut down. That was the worst. Yeah, yeah. That was literally the worst in the Bay Area, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then going back to work during that time with like no child care, all of these things, it's like everything is like it literally feels like a dark comedy. So in order to like just keep things in perspective, just thinking, okay, put one foot in front of the other feels like a dark Mm -hmm. comedy and persevere. So thank you. I'm finding this broadcast incredibly helpful. And I was texting a friend about how helpful it is. And we were both thinking it would have been so helpful to have this a year ago (laughs) or every day now. Well, thank you for calling, Jesse. We really appreciate it. And congratulations on your baby. Uh, Michael Ian Duclef, I mean, you must hear, you you must feel um, the same way. You live in the Bay Area, too, I believe, right? Like this, it's it's been, it's not just the COVID-19 stuff. It's sort of anything else on top of that just makes it really hard. And then you're trying to sort of stay strong for your kids as well. Yeah, I mean, that that's the smoke day was, was I think she's right. It was kind of the bottom. It was like, okay, is the world ending now? Um, you know, one thing I, uh, I want to bring up is this is this idea of, of building, um, you know, deeper relationships with parents. So one of the things that I've learned in, in while researching for the book was that, that, you know, it's not about a village. People always think, oh, it takes a village. Really what it takes is like three, four, five adults coming together or even older children coming together to, to raise kids. That's really how kids evolve to be raised, not by just one or two people, but by four or five, you know, six people. And I think that's one of the things that I focused on during the, the pandemic is, is really connecting with one or two other families really deeply and coming together to help each other out. And this is something I hope these these people these families were like a lifeline to us, right? They helped us with childcare. They gave us the social support, um, and through this time, we've we've developed this really deep relationship with these families, which is you know, like Dr. Turner said, that's like 
that's the best medicine for us, right? Mentally is, is having this deep kind of um, really meaning, meaningful relationships. And so, although I miss the chatter at the playground, um, I've actually, you know, we gained the chatter with these other, with these other, with these other families, and we have a better and a deeper relationship than we had before, before the pandemic started. Yeah. And playgrounds are open now. So, <laughs> um, Lisa tweets yeah. best spending time, so much more time as a family and discovering even more fantastic outdoor spots in SF and beyond worse, the constant uncertainty and worrying about my kids well-being. Uh, Madeline Levine, this is something you talk about. Like we are creatures of planning, right? And that is part of why this is so hard, especially for parents who like, it's like our whole job is planning in a way. Right. So, uh, you know, I think something worth understanding is that our brains, it, uh, literally our brains are very unhappy during a period of uncertainty. Our brains are basically prediction machines. You know, you're talking about your kids, you know, what time your kid gets up and where they go to school and where to drop them off and when to pick them up so that your brain doesn't have to think through all of those things. And that's not the case now. So, you know, when, when your last caller called it a dark comedy, that's exactly right. It's, it's constant not knowing um, because there is no precedent. We haven't done this before. So I think, I think in some ways, and I'm going to sound, you know, Pollyannish, but um, you have to see that as an opportunity. Um, it's an opportunity. You're right. It's, it sounds like I wrote Ready or Not for the <laughs> yeah. pandemic. But I didn't, you know, it came out two weeks before <laughs> lockdown. Um, and already there was so much change in the world, so much change in terms of uh, what it took to be successful at school, what it took to be successful at work. It was an entirely different skill set that used to be called, you know, soft skills, but are, I call them foundational skills. I don't like the term soft skills. So it is also an opportunity to kind of, like I said before, go into your toolbox. Every one of us has a toolbox that we use when 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 there's challenge in our life. For me, it's been writing. You know, my dad died young and I started writing then. And so I wrote like crazy for the first few months, but that's not enough to take. You can't write for 13 months. So I had to develop a couple of other skills in there, mostly having to do with community. And, and I do think there are opportunities in this. And I, and I think one of the opportunities is to develop greater resilience and to teach our kids. I think I wrote in the book something like everybody's always saying to their kids, are you OK? Can I help you? And I, and I think a better expression, I raised three, three boys who are now young adults, better expression is I think you can do this. And I think if we start from having some, you know, not not with a six month old, but if we start having some confidence in our kids that they can manage, we can we will get through this, the perspective of that. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Amy tweets, worst trying to change, trying to focus with constantly changing schedules and distractions, mm -hmm. best seeing my kids grow and adapt to ever changing circumstances. Mm -hmm. They've honestly been amazing. I mean, Dr. Turner resilience is something we talk about a lot with kids, but we have to model it too as parents, right? I mean, in some ways, I think for teenagers, this has been really hard, but for younger kids, it may not have been as challenging as for, for the adults in their lives. Absolutely. You know, I always talk with parents about the fact that kids are watching. And so there are times where you think they're not watching, but they're paying attention. And so 
how you are coping with this uncertainty and the difficulties that are going on right now are modeling for them, this is how you should get through this. And so I think it's really important, as uh, Dr. Levine mentioned, to model those things, you know, use positive coping strategies and, and positive self-talk. You know, I can get through this and, and show them how to do that. Um, and that is not about being perfect and not showing them that you are having a hard day. I think it's really about being realistic with your expectations about what's going on now and letting kids know that, yes, it is hard. Yes, it is difficult that I can't maybe go out and do some of the things that I used to do. Um, but we're going to make the most of this and be able to navigate this right now. And that's the part about building resilience. That's funny you say that. Last night, I told my kids, I, I have to leave your room. You need to go to bed and because I still have to do the dishes. Um, and my son said, well, just stop doing forum then. <laughs> So we had a conversation about commitments and how you can't just walk away from them. Um, McLean Duclef, I, I want to ask you, because as I said, a lot of your book is about sort of different strategies for bringing your kids into the community that is your household and and, and maybe having different expectations um, uh, than we might as Western parents about them participating. But that's like so hard in this moment, right? Because we're all so overwhelmed. And sometimes it is just easier to like put the laundry away than to teach your toddler how to do it well so first of all other other the places that i visit in hunt gather parent they don't they're not teaching the child how to do the laundry <laughs> they're 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 basically enlisting the child's help right um and i actually think that during this so like like you said you went to bed and then you did the dishes well what about doing the you know doing the dishes before the kids go to bed and and you know in asking them to participate with that. So one of the key things here, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, is that parents aren't setting up all these activities for children, right? So there's not all these like, okay, now we're going to do the special kid activity on Saturday or on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. The activity is being with the family and doing what the family is doing. And then the child is welcomed to that. So the activity for the night, for instance, last night, the activity at the Duke household was doing the dishes, <laughs> which sounds really boring and terrible, but my, my, my five-year-old actually enjoys it. Yeah. She you know, enjoys grabbing the, the, the pans. And, and, um, and so I think actually the, the pandemic has offered this wonderful opportunity for kids to be a little bit more immersed in the adult world and see adult work. And I hope that this is something we can carry with us that, that, you know, that when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm doing my, my job, when I'm doing hobbies, you know, Rosie has been there with me and I, and, and I, and I enlist her help. And, and I talk about in the book ways of doing this so that you don't feel like it's a burden or you don't feel like it's extra work. Um, but what you, on top of it, what you're doing, you're not only just eventually teaching the child how to do the laundry, but you're also teaching the child how to cooperate with you and work together with you so that in the morning when you leave the house eventually and go to work or go to school, the child comes with you. Or when you need to leave the playground, the child comes with you because the child's on your team. And I think that this is a key thing that we're missing a lot in, in, in homes now is this, this idea that the child is working together with the parents as a unit, as a family. Um, and, and one of these things is getting them involved in the household work. They're a full-fledged member of the household <laughs> contributing to the dishes, to the laundry, and then also to the fun stuff, to the beach outings, hikes, the park, whatever. Yeah. I'll um, admit I did do I did try that strategy with dinner and it actually worked. So, you know, you just run out okay. of time sometimes. 
Um, well, I want to switch course, a, <laughs> a little bit. Callie writes, how can we help our high schoolers as they reenter school? All the teens I know seem to have rather high levels of social anxiety about being, quote, seen and just being around people. I wonder if the social anxiety has been present for kids all along, but since they've been home, now they're out of practice. The anxiety is real. One of our kids has even lost weight during the pandemic because of it. I mean, Dr. Turner, is this something that, that you hear as well? Yeah, you know, one of the things that um, we've seen in data coming forward is that people have begun to develop these different types of mental health challenges or diagnoses since the pandemic started. And so I think that anxiety for those high school kids is real because it is already a sort of developmental period where they are concerned about their peers and, and their appearance. And so now that they've been away for an extended period of time, it's like, okay, how have, have, have I changed? How am I still going to be able to maintain, you know, those relationships and connections with peers that I haven't seen in a while? What are they going to think of me? And so all of those messages are going through their minds. And so it's really important that they sort of want, I think, acknowledge that and for parents to acknowledge that and not to just sort of brush it off if a child sort of brings those things forward, but to maybe talk through why are they sort of anxious and, and feeling that way. And if necessary, to make sure that you do get some support from a licensed therapist or psychologist. Yeah. We are talking about parenting during the pandemic. I want to bring in Liz in Berkeley, who also has a question about going back to school and weaning kids off those screens that we've all been relying on. Liz, welcome to Forum. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, before I ask that question, I just want to say as context, you know, it's been, I've had every privilege and it's still been absolutely horrible. So much just grief constantly and the constant micro decisions about how do I do this? How do I do that? Um, and, you know, I didn't um, get to read Hunt Gather Parent, but I really look forward to it. But I did read a couple articles about it. And my honest reaction is just, um, I really feel terrible about myself and my parenting and Oh, God, just like on top of all the other grief, I wish I could go back, you know, nine years and start over. But, um, yeah, we've relied on screens just to get through the day so much. And I need that time to talk to friends and to make deep connections. And so not to mention do my work and I have to hang up quickly and get to work. So, yeah, yeah. kids are going back. Um, kids are going back to school, I think, I hope, in, over the next couple of weeks. And we also have a ton of disagreement between my partner and I about this. But how do we... How do we wean them? And is now the time? And of course, we've relied on screen time as well for a ton of structure, referencing that comment earlier. They know it's like their time of day. They count down. They practice math by looking at the digital clock and being like, nine more minutes. <laughs> so anyway, is now the time to wean? But I'm worried about the shock of going back to school again. Like the shock of all these changes has also been so intense. Yeah. All so right. what do you think? Yeah, Liz. Um, well, first of all, my advice is be nice to yourself. <laughs> Dr. Levine, what yes. do you think? <laughs> uh, sure. Um, yeah, before you worry about your kids, um, you know, we can hear the pressure in, in your voice and the upset in your voice. Um, so you need to take care of yourself. Your kids are not going back to the same school they left. Um, I agree with uh, Dr. Turner that there are kids who are beside themselves about going back to school, but there are also kids who are happy. And when, I, I want to inject in this conversation that every kid is different. 
every family is different. You know, as experts, we're kind of giving right down the middle advice, but you know your kid better than anybody else. And so you have to hear everything that's being said through the lens, that's a mixed metaphor, (laughs) through the lens of your family and your kid. And I would not be worrying right now about weaning and screen time or anything like that. I'd I'd be trying to get myself in a place where I can listen to my kids, where I can share some anxiety with them, both my own and theirs, where I feel a little bit you know, more control. I said before, we hate uncertainty because we don't have control over anything. And so I think you need to focus a little bit on what you can control and understand that your kids ultimately will do as well as you're doing. All right. We are talking about parenting during the pandemic with Earl Turner, licensed clinical psychologist and assistant professor of psychology at Pepperdine University, Michaeline Duclef, author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, and NPR science reporter, and Madeline Levine, psychologist and author of Ready or Not, Preparing Our Kids to Thrive in an Uncertain and Rapidly Changing World. Um Joe writes, as a divorced dad of an eight-year-old girl in San Francisco, the main challenge is having to tend to her home learning needs while I'm trying to focus for work. I need a pencil. Where's the stapler? Zoom's not connecting. Can I have a snack? Et cetera, et cetera. Constant distractions. I've abandoned the screen time limit since I can't entertain her all day. Uh, Eve writes, so loved your child's comment about quitting work at Forum. My son sat me down during COVID and asked me if work made me happy and that I should do something that makes me happy. Clearly, I was not modeling a positive reaction to the pressures of this past year. I have never had so many witnesses to my life all the time. (laughs) That is a great point. It is hard because usually you have these moments to kind of like not say things in front of the kids. But in a lot of cases, we have been together so much. Um, we want to hear from you. What's been the more, best and worst part of parenting this past year? What will you take with you when this is over? What do you want to forget? Call us now, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. You can also email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We uh, will take a short break and be right back. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. We're talking about parenting during the pandemic. I'm Marisa Lagos here with Earl Turner, licensed clinical psychologist, Michaeline Duclef, author of Hunt, Gather, Parent, and Madeline Levine, also a psychologist. Um, you know, one thing that the, the commenter before the break brought up as, as a divorce dad uh, made me think about one of the challenges I think of either being in a family that's split up or together, which is navigating this with your partner, right? I mean, there's so many decisions that we've had to make. Um, one of the callers 
father's reference, disagreeing about going back to school. I mean, Earl Turner, how do, do you have any advice to parents? Because I think that's been a real hallmark of this is the tension between partners trying to deal with all of this and, and still parent and be themselves. Yeah, I, I think, you know, as I was reflecting on the comment, you know, for, for parents that are living apart or that are divorced, um, it can be challenging sometimes because you may not have a good relationship with that person. And so I think, you know, making sure that you are in, I like to say, the business of parenting. And so you communicate and, and work together for the, the sake of the child. And I think in those situations, you really have to make sure that you sort of set aside sometimes your own sort of feelings and, and needs to make sure that the child is sort of navigating this particular experience in, a, in the best way possible. And as uh, Dr. Levine mentioned as well, you know, give yourself some grace during this time as well, because you are going to have some challenges. Yeah. Uh, Matt in Berkeley, you're on forum. Welcome. You there, Matt? Hello? Hey, welcome to forum. Thanks oh, for hey. waiting. I'm actually in San Francisco, Okay. Um, but that's all right. Um, yeah. So, our story is that we, uh, like a previous caller, had a baby early in the pandemic. and It was one of the most stressful experiences of my life. Um, added to that stress, when the baby was six, week, six weeks old, my wife, my daughter, and myself, and the six-week baby all got COVID. Oh, my gosh. And I've personally been dealing with long COVID since then, so over 10 months. So it's been a really, really hard time. But, like, the silver lining for our family has been the opening up of people first spaces mm-hmm. in the city to people walking and biking and strolling in particular car free JFK and golden gate park. We now have the space where my daughter learned to ride her bicycle at two and a half years old. Um, and I'm hoping that our leaders see this like the moment when the Embarcadero freeway collapsed <laughs> and uh, you know, we kind of learn from these tragedies and say, Hey, we can build back better. And I'm hoping that, you know, we keep spaces like JFK car free, keep the great highway car free. So the families have places to recreate. It's been the best thing to come from this. All right, Matt, thank you. I'm so sorry. Um, also, uh, Katie, uh, welcome to Forum. You there, Katie? Can you hear me? Yeah, Katie, Walnut Creek. Tell us what's on yeah. your mind. Um, I have a two-year-old, and I'm really trying hard to enlist him in tasks around the house to make things go easier and also just to kind of help him learn that that's what we do. I was just wondering for a question for uh, Mike Lean. Do I ask him, like, please, can you bring this over to the counter and thank you after he's done? Or do I just simply say, take this to the counter? Great question, Katie. <laughs> Mike Lean, <laughs> tell, us, tell, us, tell us how to do this. You know, I think either. You know, I really do. I think that the, it is it's one of those things that kids are going to, talk the way you talk, you know, and so please and thank you is great. But I, but many, many moms and dads around the world don't, you know, a very direct take this to the counter often works much better than please, will you take this to the counter? You know? So, I mean, I think that there's no hard and fast rule. I think it's really about just what, what gets the job done. And, you know, if you say please and thank you, sometimes a child is going to learn please and thank you. You don't have to say it every time. But interestingly, many cultures around the world don't say please. And they don't require a thank you. It's so it's a very um, it's it's not universal. Um, so I think both things both things are right. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, Maureen writes, I'm a grandmother. Worst for me, not seeing or touching my three beautiful grandkids. Best for me, going over to their house with the marvelous, magnificent Grammy art truck. I fill the back of my art SUV with art supplies and just open the hatch and let them take whatever they want. Um, and Jenny tweets, I feel really bad that my college son got sent home for his last quarter of freshman year, just getting his wings and suddenly back at home with a stunted social life. Watching him take advantage of being stuck at home was pure parental pride. My post-college daughter's working virtually. It's been the best having her company during this long winter, but she wants to be doing theater and it's hard to see this early career setback. I mean, Madame Levine, this is, I think, for folks with young adults, it's been a really different experience in some ways, right? Well, yes and no. I mean, we're still like unclear about what to do (laughs) with, uh, I have three young adults um, and it's interesting to see them navigate the the research is that, that those kids are having a particularly hard time because they're, they're totally stalled, you know, in the same way that adolescents are stalled in terms of social relationships, because they can't have them just like this woman whose uh, kid is in theater that's it's stalled. And that's, that's the reality of getting through this period of time. And I think, I think many people have um, benefited from being home. I think it's a really, really important time to reset your kids not going back to the same school, you're not going back to the same job, your young adult is not following the trajectory they thought they would. And, and I think if we don't change some of our thinking, some of our institutions, it will be a waste of a pandemic. Um, I think education needs a reset. And I think in many ways, parenting needs a reset as well. So that's what I'm hoping comes out of this. Um, And it's a great early lesson for young adults. You know, you mentioned uh, Ready or Not, and that was written you know, and it said things like flexibility is really important and self-regulation and curiosity and creativity and optimism. And, you know, I think just just like Michaeline, it's kind of like, yeah, I was right about that stuff. And now it's even more important. Um, so those are the things I think we need to cultivate in our kids. We are talking about parenting during a pandemic. We want to hear from you. Tell us the best and worst part of parenting this past year. You can call us at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Get in touch on Twitter and Facebook at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Laura writes, the hardest part for me was in the early days of the pandemic when I was experiencing depression. The worst part of that was knowing that my young daughter was witnessing all of it and it was affecting her. It was one of the worst times in my life and I'm so thankful we're rounding the corner. On the other side of that coin, I've spent more time with my family than ever before, which is a blessing. Earl Turner, I mean, mental health issues (laughs) have really reared their heads, both for parents and kids during this pandemic. What's your advice to parents who are struggling with that? Yeah, that, that's uh, been a huge concern. You know, the American Psychological Association released um, some data earlier this month talking about that. And what they noted was that, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 50% of parents reported that they wish they had more support and received mental health treatment. And so that doesn't mean that people had a diagnosis per se, but definitely that they've been more stressed and, and more worried, you know, you know, sad around dealing with the pandemic. And so I think Try to, again, make sure that you um, identify when those concerns are becoming problematic, you know, not wanting to get out of bed, 
know, having sleep, and diff sleep difficulties, um, being more on edge and irritable, um, and get some support if, if possible, uh, because your kids are watching it again, as I stated earlier, and you want to model for them, like when you're dealing with these challenges, what can you do to, to improve how you feel? Um, and so I think that is really important that you let kids know that things are challenging, but there is help that's out there. And so that way they can also, as they grow older, be more open to seeking out therapy and help as well. Yeah. And I mean, do you think though that it is, it is, it sounds like you're saying it is not a bad thing to, to acknowledge when you're struggling to your children. Absolutely. I think it's really important that you acknowledge, um, you know, when you're struggling, because I think oftentimes as a society, we try to protect kids from some of these things so much, but then when they get older, they don't have the skill set to be able to deal with these emotional challenges and, and have you know, emotional wellness. And so a lot of things I talk about is that we need to really start at a very early age talking with kids and showing them about how to navigate things when, when it's difficult for them because life is not perfect and we're gonna have ups and downs. And I think we need to make sure that kids understand that and that they have the tools to be able to sort of cope with those experiences. Uh, do you or Dr. Levine have any just resources that folks could be looking at, low cost, free mental health services, um, other, other places you would point folks who might still be struggling? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the, the first resources that I recommend is um, APA.org. So the American Psychological Association, if you go to their website, they have a specific page that lists resources related to COVID-19. And it, it deals with things from parenting to just sort of healthcare workers and essential workers and providing some general um, information, like education about different types of stressors, but also how to sort of cope with those in general. Yeah, I mean, this has been such a different pandemic for folks who've had to leave the house for their jobs and been on the front lines. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, can Madeline I, Levine. Yeah, can I throw something into that? And that is, look, everybody has felt badly at some point and everybody has, including me, and I suspect everybody on this panel has had a day when they don't feel like getting out of bed. And I just, I just want to make the distinction um, between sort of quote normal upset in these days and things that really need an intervention. And of course, by the way, um, your kids absolutely know when you're not doing well. So I agree totally with Dr. Turner. Of course you have to talk about it because otherwise they're seeing it right in front of them. Um, but I think a good uh, guide, guideline around whether it's a problem or temporary is time. So if you have one day or your kid has one day or two days where they're feeling like terrible um, and then they get up again, I'm not worried about that. If you've had a week or two weeks where your kid can't get up or out of bed. And by the way, you know, parents are angry when they're depressed. I mean, I'm sorry, parents are sad when they're depressed. Kids tend to be angry when they're depressed. So it looks a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and, and we're talking about, once again, you know, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but okay. We're talking about a range of people who, uh, some of whom are very uh, comfortable with the idea of seeking help and some of whom want nothing to do with seeking help and are suspicious of seeking help. And I, I think, you know, reaching that group of people who have not used mental health resources, and, and I agree with the suggestion that Dr. Turner gave, there are a couple of other things on um, online, but 
we also have to reach people who have never had contact with mental health workers um, and help them understand that this can be helpful as opposed to them being so skeptical of it. Because as Dr. Fauci says, this is our second pandemic, a mental health pandemic. Absolutely. All right. This is uh, Michael. Maybe you can take this one. I think any any parent, no matter where they stand, can uh, who has more than one kid. My sons, eleven and twelve years old, have been arguing more. What tips are there to get children to get along? Did you learn anything in your travels on this, Michaeline Duclef? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, um, a, a lot of times the parents will not intervene. I heard many, many times from parents around that, you know, it is not your job to intervene when, 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 when kids argue, unless of course something is going to get, um, somebody's going to get hurt. Um, but you know, one of the moms told me, um, down in the Yucatan that when the, when the kids start arguing too much, she makes the, 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 the other kid do the other kid's laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and she and, and she flips it around. Okay, you have to do his laundry and she has to do your laundry. Um, so, you know, and the other thing is she kicks, a lot of times I heard parents will kick them out of the house. It's like, if you're going to argue, you have to do it outside. And actually, this is something I heard so much about, like the, getting the kids to be outside and, and how important it is. So many parents around the world told me how important it is that kids get grumpy when they're inside and you got to take them, get them outside, take them outside. And so one of the things we've done is really try to like devote an hour to being outside and not really doing anything, just walking around the neighborhood or sitting at the park while I work. (laughs) I'm always trying to get work done. Um, But, but there's just around the world. I heard from so many moms and dads, the importance of being outside. And so you got to argue outside. Well, and a lot of the comments we've gotten are really that people that has been a lifesaver right now is to get outside and enjoy the spaces. And of course, living in a very temperate climate, we're pretty lucky. Um, We're talking about parenting during the pandemic with Earl Turner, licensed clinical psychologist, Michael, Duclef, author of Hunt Gather Parent, and psychologist Madeline Levine. I want to bring in Laurel in Novato. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call and thank you for this conversation. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just wanted to, um, you know, one, specifically say thank you to Dr. Levine for the comment about putting one foot in front of the other. And then again, for discussing that we need to kind of like have a reset when it comes to parenting and the way we think about education and even childcare. I also really appreciate that you guys are talking about what it's like for parents with really young kids. Um, I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and I've been working from home for a year with a baby, and it has been so hard. And I, you know, I feel really grateful that my kids are resilient and young enough to where I don't feel like this is going to affect them the way it's going to affect older kids. But like another caller said, you know, I've had every privilege, and I am struggling every day. I mean barely functioning some days. And, you know, I wanted to make the comment that there's so much discussion, amazing discussion about how this is affecting moms and women and parents in general. But I think we need to find a way to make that translate into the way we actually talk to people and treat people. And I just, I want to give an example. I was working from home one day with both my kids when this first started. I had a four-year-old, you know, running around. I had a one-year-old who didn't nap. And I was trying to have a meeting and the chaos of that meeting got relayed to my manager. And the suggestion to me was that maybe I try to reschedule another meeting or, you know, have someone come help me watch my kids so that I could make it seem like I had it more, quote, under control. And that was so difficult for me. And it still sits with me. And I feel like we need to kind of 
try to elevate this conversation and find a way to make it translate into the way we actually deal with individual situations and people and their realities and what they're actually struggling with. And have some grace, right? As somebody broadcasting from my kid's bedroom, I can totally relate to that. And I mean, Earl Turner, but this is, so this is challenging for, as we've had several callers say, people with a lot of privilege. And yet there are so many families where, you know, parents are going to work in hospitals or in grocery stores or drive buses and they don't have, you know, they, like we're all going crazy if we're stuck at home, but, but, but there's also just the stress of having to go out and, and trust that your kids will be okay. Absolutely. You know, I think one of the, for me, challenges that I've seen over the course of the pandemic is that we've recognized that we're in a pandemic, but then we still try to operate as if we're not in a pandemic. (laughs) And so I think that makes it really difficult, as the colleges mentioned, because for a lot of workspaces, they haven't really changed the way that things operate. And so you're not acknowledging the fact that you are working at home and that there are going to be distractions potentially. And so I think that those things need to shift as we continue to really navigate sort of how this is going to look uh, moving forward. But I think for families that, you know, have had to continue to work outside of the home, obviously that's more stress, you know, think about the safety for yourself and your family, you know, bringing things back home that may be of a concern for those families and kids, you know, kids are going to be concerned and worried as well about their parents being outside of the home and and are they going to be exposed given the impact of COVID-19 and especially for communities of color where we know they've had higher rates of infection and death as a result of, of, of COVID. Yeah, well, I think I'd like to leave this hour with be kind and and patient with one another. It's been a rough year for all of us. I want to thank my panel. We've been talking parenting with Michaeline Ducleff, Madeline Levine, and Earl Turner. I appreciate your insights, and thank you to all our callers and commenters. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Stay tuned for special coverage of President Biden's first press conference up next. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. 
Soul to Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Soul to Story are available now.